there's something about being in the hardest times where I feel like the lid gets lifted. There's no pretense and you're staring like authenticity in the face. And there's something like joyful to be found in that. Mm. Definitely. Hi, I'm Lou and this is More Permission, a podcast for women who want to enjoy life, ditch the toxic scripts and live authentically. Wherever you are, however you found this, I hope you'll feel welcome here. My guests today are Jen. She's a mum of two small ones. She has a newfound love for outdoor swimming. She loves a box set and she also loves to talk. She has a really nice blog at wrenandsquirrel.com and you can find her on Instagram at jenrensquirrel. And it's my pleasure to welcome Chloe for the first time. Chloe is a 33-year-old French woman living in the UK, a theology student with tons of questions, a people person who loves being creative and committed to sustainable and just living. Check her out on Instagram at Ms underscore Clotilde and check out her website at thinkandwrestle.wordpress.com. And I'm Lou. I also love to talk, write, and just generally on a mission for more permission. You can follow me at Big Lou Cook on Instagram and check out some more of my stuff at loucook.com. Welcome to episode six of More Permission. We are recording this in the middle of COVID. We are in lockdown three. We've just had Christmas dangled in front of us and then snatched away again. All our holidays have been cancelled. We're not seeing loved ones or anyone. Schools are closed. Businesses are closing. People are losing jobs, getting ill, dying. And on top of all of that, we have the normal trials and tribulations of life. So if you're still listening, if I haven't put you off, uh, my first question to Jen and Chloe is, how are you doing? (laughs) Do you want to go first, Jen? Sure. Um, A mixed bag here. Uh Isn't everyone? Um, Yeah, I definitely, when it got announced that we were going into the third lockdown, before it was announced, like, you know, in those two hours before the news breaks uh, the announcement but you know it's happening yeah mm-hmm. felt awful I felt like oh no <laughs> um and then knowing that the nurse so I've got two children who are nursery age knowing that the nurseries were opened I was like oh, is that gonna be okay and actually mm-hmm. as it is my nursery is now closed <laughs> um mm-hmm. just just for a little while hopefully but we'll see <laughs> mm. um and yeah it, it it kind of is overwhelming the idea of like so obviously like lots of people working from home my children are going to be home um and just not quite sure how that's going to work out but I I do just feel like I have to take um every well every like half an hour as it comes (laughs) in the first lockdown I planned the shit out of the first few weeks (laughs) my children I which is ridiculous by the way because one of them was only like eight months old (laughs) here we are here's all the cards this is what we're doing visual timetables um and yeah bless her the older one like stayed with me for the first few weeks of that and then we she was just like I don't want to know (laughs) mum and we you know we all just got through it didn't we Uh, Mm. but now it, it does feel a bit overwhelming and so I just take it literally half an hour as it comes and and try not to 
think about all the things that aren't going to happen. Mm. I just think about the thing I'm doing right now. Um, but yeah, and also there are like odd little positives. I watched the throwdown last night. One of my friends was on it. Very excited. Um, mm-hmm. For those people that don't know, it's about pottery, not wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I'm a mixed, mixed bunch. Mm. And so right now I feel okay. Tomorrow I might not feel so great. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Chloe? Yeah, I think um, most of the time I'm fine. I think when the last log, well, the current lockdown was announced, I felt really numb, basically. As in, I was kind of like, well, it has to happen. I know it's going to happen. So I was kind of like resigned and just thought, yeah, it's going to suck. But I feel like I've lived in lockdown for the last 10 months. So what's going to be, what's going to change? I also feel lucky because I have housemates and actually I don't have children. So that means that I don't have to, you know, take care of someone else whilst being locked down. So for mm-hmm. me in that way, it's easier, obviously. But I think today, yeah, today I was really frustrated actually. I was like, oh man, like we've been doing this for 10 months. I don't know when it's going to end. I, I, I'm trying my best to do all I'm told to do, but it's kind of not easy can I offer an observation from both of your responses Mm -hmm. um both of you have touched on like it being hard um but what I noticed with you Jen was that you made sure that you ended with some positives so like you found joy or or relief or whatever in watching some good programs last night and you kind of left the listener with a kind of relief that you're not doing really badly that you know you kind of balanced it and Chloe you were like comparing yourself to people with kids and saying that it's easier for you and the reason I'm pointing it out Mm -hmm. is because I think about some of the reasons why maybe we don't give ourselves permission and you've both touched on two of the things that I was thinking about so Mm. one being that we know that other people find it hard to know that we're finding Mm -hmm. it hard and we want to make things okay for other people so Mm -hmm. like it's interesting isn't it how sometimes we hold back from maybe saying how hard it is or leaving it on that unresolved note because people mm. can we we we're trying to manage other people's feelings when they actually ask us how we are yeah. um and then the other thing is that we do compare ourselves with other people and mm. constantly deny ourselves to feel how hard it is because we remind ourselves how other people might have it worse yeah i would definitely agree with the sentiment that at times you feel responsible for people's reactions to you. Mm. So you don't want to share if that would trouble them, if that makes sense, or just be too much for them to handle. Um, yeah. I think if, especially if you know someone's struggling themselves, you just don't want to add to that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think the comparison thing is like, we almost come back at ourselves with the argument we feel could be said to us. So if we say, yeah. oh, I'm struggling today. Oh, but I know I don't have it that bad because we're almost expecting, we're like kind of ready for the kind of, oh, but you're, you're not as bad off as some people, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. Our inner critic likes to jump up and tell us all the reasons why other people find it harder and we really should just get our act mm. together and pull our socks up and get on with life. But actually in doing that, we're totally denying ourselves our truth. Mm. <laughs> like if, if, if it feels hard, And we are very quick to jump to gaining perspective, which is a good Mm -hmm. thing. But if we are very quick to jump to that, then I don't know. I feel like we we squash our real true feelings, which is never a good thing. I talk about that all the time on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we also layer 
our true feelings with shame, which just compounds the hardness, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So often for me, I tend to focus on other people's needs. Um, and I like to be like, no, but I'm an honest person. I acknowledge how I feel. But when I talk about how I feel, I will present it to people as if I already have the solution to my problem. So they just have to like sit there, listen, but then they don't have to do anything because I got it covered. But I know myself. I know I, like when I just said, oh, today I was feeling numb, but you know, almost like tomorrow will be fine. And tomorrow will be fine because most of the time I'm of a very like even mood often. Mm. Um, but it's true when you talked about shame and um, kind of like, oh, you said something else. I can't remember what you said. But I think there's a lot of shame for me in like just acknowledging that I might find something really hard. And also I think I don't like being boxed then in, that, in my feelings. So for example, I've struggled with anxiety for the last three years, but it's something that I, I've been both honest about, but also scared to be honest about, because then people can label me, you know, the anxious person. And that's what I become to people. So for me saying, oh, I'm finding lockdown hard, then people, you know, might just box me in that. And I, and I don't like that. So then I kind of preempt that and kind of say, no, but it's just a passing feeling. Don't worry. Actually, yeah. all of this reminded me of it. Just a Instagram post I saw today. It just said, you can't heal what you won't name. Make so sense. true. So yeah, true. No. Sorry. I just got this surge of, ah, yes. <laughs> and that's from, but I feel Wait, like I've read that too. It must it be an account from Saxton, if you know who she is. And that's so true, isn't it? Like, I really relate to what you said, Chloe, about not wanting to be boxed into like, oh, she's like this or she worries about this or she is mm. an label. The anxious one, the, the anxious depressed one, one or, the needy one. Yeah. But yeah. I also think I, I had a little like revelationary moment uh, a few weeks ago when a school, really good school friend of mine was trying to help me out. We'd had a conversation. She'd been struggling as well. So we'd have a conversation on the phone and then she was talking about, oh, you know, I I always think of like, and she named our other friends because they're just so happy and they don't ever seem to be low. And what surprised me is because she's so self-centered is that she didn't name me in that column. <laughs> I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm the happy one. Like, I'm the like optimistic, positive go-getter. Like, um, yep. And then I realized that maybe actually some of the things that I think or I want people to think of me aren't actually what they perceive anyway. So mm. I'm trying to keep up this kind of facade that nobody actually has ever bought. <laughs> yeah. oh. See right through you, Jen. No, you're, I think you're just a very honest person, Jen. I don't think that you have a facade. You don't appear to. Oh, I don't think no. I do either, but. I remember thinking like literally a few weeks before that phone call, people would be surprised if they knew how much I struggled. Can I just say something though? Right. I actually find it really hard to forge good, honest, genuine friendships with people who don't tell me about their struggles. So I have a few friends in my life where we maybe don't meet up that often, but when we do, we will have a catch up and I go deep. Like I go straight in. I'm not, I'm not a small talker and I've always got a million things to, to talk about. And a lot of them are hard. I have been through some hard times mm. and, um, and I'm really honest with it. Um, and then I'm like, when I finish, I'm like, so I've been talking for forever. How are you? And they often just say to me, I'm good. And then I'll sort of press them for a bit more and it will be like, yeah, no, no, I'm good. And we're good. And my family's good. And this is good. And 
I, I've got to be honest, I really struggle with that because I come away feeling like I've laid my soul bare and got nothing in return. I almost feel exploited because I come away thinking you're not like nobody is just good. Mm -hmm. Like everybody is struggling at times. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel equal. And I don't feel I can really come away from that feeling like, I don't know, our friendship suffers because they hold back. I think there is that just that general feeling of society of don't overload people with your own problems. Mm. And I think you're completely right, Lou, that actually if people aren't vulnerable with each other, how can you have a depth of friendship? But I also think a lot of people, including myself at times, I think struggle with what do I share? What do I not? I don't know who I'm supposed to tell stuff to. When I found out a good friend had died when I was 21, I was in my Mm. office at work. I just didn't know who I was meant to tell. I didn't know who who your go-to might be. Yeah, I didn't know. And that sounds ridiculous. And I have such good friends, but I honestly didn't know. And yeah, definitely that's been the case probably most of my life. I'm like, not sure who I'm meant to share this with. And I I wonder if maybe other people have that dilemma. I often Mm. get quite envious. You know, you hear about maybe what, maybe you're both like this, who knows? Um, of those people that have that one best friend. It's their like clear, it's just so clear. And I get jealous sometimes of that kind of clarity. I do. Mm. I've got one. Oh <laughs> yeah. I call, I've I'm called her at you. three. I've called her at three in the morning from different countries to tell her anything. You know, like she'll just pick up the phone. She'll she'll be listening now, feeling Aww. it. But yeah. no, I know what you mean though. I think what you're talking about though, Jen, is slightly different because you're talking about you've got a need when something major happens to share that with someone to gain support and comfort. And you're in that moment, you're thinking, who, who is that person I go to? But I think it's different to what I'm talking about, which is having friendships where it's like a one-way vulnerability when you're doing catch-ups, you know, it's like, it's not, who do I come to in a crisis? It's Except is this for, person think, sharing any, any, you yeah. know, any of their vulnerabilities with me? Except for, I think it's, it's very entwined. And that is because I remembered with other major things that I thought, if I don't tell them now, if I don't tell people, then the next time I speak to them, at some point, they're going to want to know why I haven't shared this and they'll value our friendship on why didn't mm-hmm. you tell me that? So having a really bad patch of mm-hmm. mental health and not sharing it with people I think if it comes mm. to light later on, people are like, oh, I never knew. Why didn't she share that then? I could have been mm. there for her. And you're just a bit like, I just didn't know how to say it. And I didn't know who to say it. Like, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. But also, I don't think it's your responsibility to be like a PR machine in your, in yeah, your struggling what- times and make sure that everybody's informed, yeah. you know, so that no one down the line gets offended. No, I know. In the times of hardship, when we share that it's hard, that creates depth. So there's a real treasure in that, isn't there? I think so. Well, that's been my experience anyway. Um, And actually, like, I can think of one friendship recently where I kind of decided I was going to share with that person because they'd been sharing with me and I was kind of taking the role of the friend who listens but doesn't necessarily give much back. And I don't know Mm -hmm. why I was doing that. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to change my attitude. And the friendship changed along with that. Mm. And it actually became a real friendship. But like before it kind of felt maybe I was part of a support system. Well, now I feel like this person is also supporting me. Mm. That's so interesting that you're playing a role the way you describe that. Because I think I've been on the other side of that where people have consistently been my support 
And that's left me feeling needy. Mm. And actually in those little moments where they actually shared a difficult situation back, Mm. I felt a lot less needy and a lot more like a peer. So actually we sometimes avoid sharing our hardships with people who have hardships, (laughs) but that actually is probably the worst thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It does change it levels the playing field doesn't it it makes it definitely you're just the recipient in the relationship but also that you've got something to give as well Mm. I think that's really important it's a bit crazy that even though I know it to be really rewarding and helpful and encouraging in a friendship to have someone share stuff with you it's funny how we can just not share as well (laughs) because we don't treat ourselves the way that we treat others our inner critic has a different voice than yeah. the voice that we give others. So I just wanted to talk about a few more of those inner critic lies that we hear. So I thought about another one being, I shouldn't be finding this hard. Okay. So <laughs> we, we we don't validate the yeah. thing that we're finding hard. We just jump right on top of that. And our inner critic's like, you shouldn't be finding this hard. Everyone else can nail this. And I got that a lot in parenting. When I first became a parent, my first year of parenting was very difficult for me. And I just, everywhere I looked, there were mums with full faces of makeup, you know, laughing, you know, looking <laughs> like they were having a beautiful, lovely time. And I just kept beating myself up thinking I shouldn't be finding this so hard. I definitely feel that just about like normal life. Things. Life in general <laughs> because of Instagram and, you know, everyone puts oh. their best selves up. And it's, I just find it so hard when someone says, why don't you in- incorporate this into your life it's only going to take a few minutes every day and I just think it's just another few minutes (laughs) I've already got 15 of them (laughs) um so yeah you know I didn't make any new year's resolutions but I just think oh wouldn't it be good to like lower my alcohol intake and maybe I should do yoga with Adrienne <laughs> and I haven't done yoga. I signed up. <laughs> I've not opened <laughs> one of the emails. <laughs> and, uh, I have drunk. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like all when something happens to you, and that same thing has happened to someone else, and your response is completely different or like much more dramatic. So for me, for example, I had some guy drama, and then that triggered a massive faith crisis when loads of other people have had guy drama and it's been fine do you know what I mean they keep going and they Chloe, can with... I just clarify because your accent are you saying guy drama yes I am saying guy okay right yeah. okay yeah uh maybe I should say boy but I think at my age maybe guy is more appropriate <laughs> and and I remember when it first started I was like but why was this such a trigger because obviously like, I'm not the only person who got sad about a guy you know once in my life and I yeah I really beat myself up for having that reaction which was to me was felt really dramatic but the most helpful thing was when people weren't making me feel bad for the scope of my reaction because actually my reaction wasn't about the thing that had happened it was like the thing that had happened was a trigger for something that was much bigger much deeper mm-hmm. but for me it looked completely out of proportion maybe you feel I like feel, you feel like you're being over dramatic yeah exactly uh, drama queen yeah, yeah. And I hate drama, so I'm like, no, I'm not overdramatic. But then I feel like it, and so, yeah. Yeah, so you're denying and resisting, like, your actual reality. I feel sometimes in a conversation mm-hmm. that people are trying to find trying to find a bigger reason. So say I say, oh, I'm feeling a bit low, I'm feeling a bit mm. down lately. Oh, is it because, and suddenly these big things come out, and I'm like, no. And then then that does make you question, oh, should I be, why am I feeling this bad? If, if mm. you know, like... 
what do you mean? So like what? So like, people would jump in with like, what, because your life's a mess? And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your hair in about a year. <laughs> sometimes you don't know. Like sometimes mm. you are low for a long time. Yeah. And you don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. People want to fix yeah. our problems. That's the thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Sometimes we just need to be heard. I had a prime example of that this summer. I was home and um, I just had a massive meltdown about being single, and which actually happens very rarely for me. But that was the day, you know, it was the day yeah. it was just like all going to happen. And I was at the dinner table and I just thought... I just said a couple of things like, I'm really tired of being single. I just start crying. Like I haven't cried like that in front of my parents for ages. Mm. And my dad said nothing and just held my hand. And normally he's a very like practical guy. And my mom is very much a like pastoral person. Mm. And she's there just like trying to find a solution. Like Maybe you should do that. Maybe you should do that. And I was like, please do not tell me how to fix this. Mm. And then she was like, but then I don't know what to do. And I was like, this is not about you. Mm. And I basically had this like 30 seconds shouting match with my mom because she was so sad to see me sad. Mm. And she, but she couldn't just let me be sad. And then she was like, oh, maybe I should be like your dad. And I was like, well, I never thought I'd hear that. But <laughs> it, was, it was like really interesting to see my father not say anything. And I wonder if it's because it was an area in which he was like, I actually don't have any expertise in that area. So Mm. I can't really tell you what to do. Mm. And he was the helpful one in that situation. And I love my mom. I've got a great relationship with her, but like, it was interesting how her worries just took over. And I think that's what happens often with people is Mm. where you were saying people just want to help. And so they just try to find a reason for your problem because it's Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable to sit with someone's pain or anxiety. And they, the person who's suffering doesn't have the answers to why, and you don't have the answers to why. So just know that you're going to have to sit with this for a while, like until it ends, if it ends. Mm. And it's like you in that situation, you're already bearing the burden of the pain that you're feeling. You don't need to also bear the burden of the pain that your mum's feeling. And that that is the reality of what can happen when we share our troubles with people. Yeah. I do have a really good relationship with both my parents and um, I speak to my mum all the time and she is so caring and compassionate, but that leads to her just taking on a lot of the burden of her children. Before I got this job that I'm now in, my mum would stress so much about my employment situation. Mm. (laughs) And um, so I, I would not tell her if I'd applied for a job because if I didn't get it, I felt like she would take that as a knock on her. For a while, our relationship was really badly affected because she was really upset that she felt like I lacked confidence and she'd done something. Um, ah, that's interesting. She's, you know, in, in the way she brought me up, she was like, why is my daughter so unconfident now? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, she was making it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually ended up, my dad came around to speak to me. Gosh, I'm 36 and my dad came around and sat down with me <laughs> um, to speak about my mum and my relationship. Um, oh, wow. It was as full on as it sounds, by the way. It was mm. just like, absolutely, like my family, the way they deal with stuff is <laughs> bloody ridiculous. <laughs> First of all, he said, shall I sit down with you and Mike? I was like, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, come oh, it on. Was, it was great. And do you know what? My dad, bless him, he's just like, I know she tries to fix things. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and trying to explain to him that everything that she does 
does just make it worse mm. <laughs> and that she ends up getting more and more upset because she feels like I'm not listening to her help or um or her ideas and then but why am I in such a state and mm. what can she do and it, it was just like this it just made we were just grinding up against each other and that's not the right phrase grinding up <laughs> we were not grinding oh, this is during lockdown for a start <laughs> um, there's no grinding oh. to be had nor has there ever been I just, <laughs> uh, we are not that kind of family um no uh we were just really irritating each other and causing more and more tension um I think imagine. you mean winding each yeah. other up. Oh, that's <laughs> winding. The other thing is sometimes when people make it about themselves, like, did I yeah. not do this for you or whatever? Yeah. And it becomes like their drama. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely puts me off sharing with that person if I know that's their trait, because I don't want my issue to become their drama and therefore their gossip. And I'm not saying your mum does that. No, no. I don't but some people do. Some people spin so hard on their own dramatised version of your problem that it becomes what they talk about with all of their people. And yeah, it's a basic thing. You just want a bit of confidentiality, don't you, when you're sharing your hard stuff? It's a funny one, isn't it? It's it's knowing, I think, that things can be shared. And maybe this is about the good relationships that we talk about, like the good friendships. It's knowing that your thing can be shared and it won't be the forever marker of you. Yeah, like, it won't be the defining factor. Yeah, but it, it can be held with a lightness. Because I'm, I'm such that kind of person in the way I express myself. I can be like this is the fucking worst time of my yeah. life. Yeah. Everything's not thinks going to work and I'm stressing out and you know, all yeah. that stuff. but tomorrow I'll probably feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I'm with you, Jen. I'm with you. Yeah, same. And you curse yourself for saying the things you said the day before, yes. because then you're like, Oh no, that's going to be forever. My legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to be like, Oh my goodness. I mean, even, even in this podcast, I, when, when I meet up with Louie at the park, occasionally Chloe, I'm like, oh, I changed my mind within the podcast. <laughs> and, and <laughs> Mission to change our mind. We're I know, do and that I say that day. about my blog. Like, I'm just saying what I'm thinking then in that yeah. moment. And I think people can. They can hold it with a lightness. Like you can hear that someone's having a shit day and know that yeah. their life is not horrific all the time. Yeah. Mm, but that yeah. day was just a really bad day. I can think of times where I've told a friend often like when I was having a panic attack about health. There was one time I burned my fingers. It was actually during lockdown. And for some reason I was like, I've got tetanus. I'm going to die. And I, don't, I can't even tell you why I thought that. But what was interesting is that I told one of my housemates and she like, she talked to me very calmly and she was very rational. She helped me kind of not be anxious anymore. But the next day she wasn't like, oh, like there goes, you know, the, the crazy housemate who just thinks she's going to die as soon as she touches, you know, a piece of metal or whatever. It was gone. It was, she'd kind of like let it go. She'd help me manage my crisis, but then she is obviously she didn't forget about it, but she acted like she'd forgotten about it. And for me, that was really helpful to then know that the next time I have a panic attack, I can talk to her because she's not going to hold it against me Mm. uh, or she's not going to necessarily like not trust me with certain things. Or I don't know, she's going to kind of let me have a panic attack and then let me also be a person who also doesn't have panic attacks. Yeah. I guess it's trial and error, isn't it? Like you yeah. one day you took someone and then a couple of days later you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that again because you've realized that maybe that person can't handle that kind of information 
in a way that's good for you. Um, yeah, it's recognizing that we're complex. We're, yeah. we're nuanced beings. We're contradictions. We're, you know, paradox. We're we're all of that, and that makes me think think of this last year, COVID, the year mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, it's been shit, hasn't it? I mean, it's been <laughs> like on paper the worst year ever yeah. for everyone, yeah. and um, I am finding myself actually reflecting on it as the shittest year and the best year Mm -hmm. because for me I got divorced last year um and I've been through a lot of stuff in the last few years leading up to the divorce and Mm -hmm. you know I've been through all the therapy I've been through everything else and so I'd say that last year was the year where I really really got into my own in terms of who I am Mm. I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm not there when I'm never going to be there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think every year, you know, yourself better is a better year. Mm. So not just that, but also I fell in love last year. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, exciting. Um, I know. And, um, and I found myself honestly pinching myself at times just because I was euphoric. Um, mm. You know, that feeling It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And I'd have times where I'd be like, taking a midnight walk in the middle of the summer, you know, <laughs> sat with a glass of Prosecco on the downs, looking at the stars or whatever it was. And it was magical and all the rest of it, but it lived alongside the heaviness and the mm. weight of last year. And it's giving yourself permission for the two things to coexist mm. and not to have to say, oh, I'm doing really great. And let that be it. Because I was like, yeah. I was doing really great, but to allow yourself to say it's really shit, it's really hard, and mm. I'm euphoric. <laughs> yeah. Does, does that make sense? We are so complex that I think we have to be able to hold those two, two things together. But because they don't make sense, and you don't often hear people tell those stories, it took a while for me to actually allow that to be my my story. Mm. And it, and it is. I find when the things are the hardest, this crazy thing happens to me. I often get like. <laughs> giggles <laughs> on my very very like severe crisis moments I will start getting the giggles and often I'll like end up having so much joy does anyone mm. else get that oh I think that's no, I think I'm that, very envious <laughs> but I think that kind of weird world of like I'm either gonna laugh at how crazy this is at the moment or I'm gonna yeah. cry like yeah it's, it's kind of hysterics line. isn't it I guess it's hysterics but you can yeah. get a lot of probably some like great endorphin release or mm. dopamine or whatever the yeah. good stuff is comes in those moments and I had a lot of them <laughs> and I think there's that that line it's easy to go one way or the other I have like well, I cry at everything, but I quite <laughs> like crying as well. Like, yeah, me too. I actually had um, for tons of you- of my life. I never cried at real life. I actually wasn't until I met Mike. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I like. Um, I used to. I had a collection. I've still got them of really sad films to make me cry. I used to do it as a kind of. Therapy. I've got the same beaches. Oh, so good, isn't it? Beaches. Oh yeah, I haven't got beaches on, but I do watch every it every time. time. <laughs> same but, um, moment, same moment. Bill Magnolias. Yes. Oh my gosh, every you made me watch that actually when time. we lived together. It was awful. I was but broken still, inside. I mean, I always love films that kind of you'll be like sobbing one minute and then laughing hysterically the next. Mm. I think that's just mm-hmm. such a brilliant thing. But I feel like that's how the year has been, and it's partly been because it's so adrenaline filled because we yeah. we are so uncertain of what's about to happen next. That we're kind of like, (laughs) 
definitely feel like I've been crying a lot. But also I think there needs to be that ease of I need to laugh and I need to watch mm. things that make me laugh or mm. I need to listen to things that make me laugh yeah. and and just have that that permission. There we are, there's the line. And and that that kind of willingness to laugh as well, or to be in love, or to enjoy, you know, like getting dressed up or whatever it is all those things that make you feel good, it can be easy just to not let yourself enter into that because it's just yeah. such a heaviness. Like you said, that's such a brilliant word. It's such a heavy feeling, mm. but we need to, in the same way that I used to watch sad films to make sure I cried every now and again, mm. uh, we need to get in touch with things that make us feel good. And it doesn't matter if, if we see them as shallow or like ridiculous or whatever it is, you need to like definitely spend time doing those things. Mm. Um, Liz Gilbert, who I love, 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 love. um, She talked about when her partner died um, a year and a half or maybe two years ago now, Mm. um, how she danced every day. And that was, that was a religion for her. She, she made that commitment to herself that she was going to dance every day, whether or not she fucking felt like it, she was getting that music on that made her dance and she was going to dance. And I I adopted that strategy in my hardest times because when you're moving your body and Mm. dancing, even if you're making faking it till you make it, your yeah. body tells your brain and all your like emotions and hormones that you are, you know, you're joyful, even if you're not feeling it when you start. So there are things, I think, strategies that you can do like that, that help you get in touch with the joy that is always available, even in the hardest yeah. times. Yeah. And actually there's something about being in the hardest times where I feel like the lid gets lifted. There's no pretense and you're yeah. staring like authenticity in the face and there's something like joyful to be found in that Mm. definitely this year when so I traveled back from France and I had to isolate for two weeks which meant that I spent my birthday in isolation and what you don't know Lou is that I love my birthday I have like a a fancy dress party I invite loads of people I make snacks I decorate the house like it's a whole (laughs) very big event for me and I was like clearly can't do that can't even really be with my housemates because I had to isolate Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to dress up in my bedroom. And I dressed up as Robin Hood, like the Disney. Yes, <laughs> love that. And it was so fun. And I, I filmed myself and I ended up putting it on Instagram. And people were like, you're so <laughs> weird. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I know I'm weird. And it's fine. I'll probably still dress up when I'm 80 and it's fine. But it was really important for me because I was like, either I'm going to be miserable in my room. And I have to be in my room. So I might as well try to do something that's not, it's not pretending it's not hard, but it's just trying to find some joy because I need that. And the dancing, like, I, I definitely did that in the first lockdown. I was feeling extremely anxious every day. And then I just ended up doing that thinking, oh, it's just going to be, you know, a good cardio exercise or whatever. But it was actually really good because what you said is, yeah, your body does something and then kind of takes you out of your thoughts and right into the present moment and just letting myself be a human being that made of flesh and bones. And that was really helpful because anxiety is often because you're getting lost in your thoughts and like looking much too far down the line. It gets you in the present and being in, being forced to be in the present is probably one of the best tonics, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's one other thing I just thought of that um, I had a crisis a few years ago with my marriage and ended up living with my friend temporarily, like part-time during the week because I was also a mum. So splitting Mm. up my time. And they took, it was a couple, um, shout out Nat and Josh, just going to put your names out there. And they took me out to um, have cocktails and dinner. And then we went up to the balcony afterwards and they had a live band and loads of people dancing. And we were just leaning over the balcony, watching this packed dance floor. 
people watching. And uh, there was this very, very drunk man who loved himself. I mean, he <laughs> loved himself. You could just tell. And he took his top off at one point and he was just like this, oh, I'm an Adonis on the dance floor. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we just got very um, interested in, in watching him. Anyway, he did some sort of alcoholic drink, which involved him chucking a lemon behind him after he downed it. And this lemon flew up and landed right on by our feet. And everyone across the balcony had watched this happen and, you know, narrowly missed slapping one of us in the face. And we all just looked at each other in disgust and sort of tutted at him. And then I thought, hmm, I bet I bent down, picked it up and lobbed it back at him. And it hit him on the back of the head and he <laughs> spun around looking like, uh, and couldn't obviously work out what had happened and then carried on dancing. And the release that I felt <laughs> in throwing that lemon was just magic. Honestly, it really gave me this uh, release. And so it became this thing where I was like, in a crisis, throw a lemon get a drink with it as well maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was dancing and and chloe you might not know this song uh but you might because it's got a french title <laughs> with my girls this morning in my kitchen to in quarantine i can't even oh, say it i love it <laughs> is that right, Claire? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, but I do you know who, who's the artist? Sash. Oh, da, 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 da. I Sash. don't know. Sash. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'll even give it a year. This is my speciality. I can do the year. Give me a chance. Um, I'm going 1997. I was definitely at a school disco when it came out. So that could be, that sounds about right. That's like year nine school disco for me. Um, and uh, yeah, my girls are like loving it. Da, 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 da. It's a club tune. It is yeah, 1997. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Madame Jules, it is I don't know what that means. I'm going to have to listen to that. Oh my goodness! One more honestly, time, guys. I honestly think 90s tunes are the way to like. Oh my! Do you listen to Phone Cotton the Sound life? of the 90s? No, I don't actually listen to it and I keep meaning to. Get on it. But I think that kind of like one seeking out joy, like we're saying, whatever it is, whether that's just moving mm. your body or releasing that anger or that frustration mm. by throwing a lemon. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> or just accessing things that you know make you feel good. But the other thing that I heard a psychologist was saying that curiosity is the antidote to anxiety. Mm. And I love that. And we in our podcast on sex and we were talking about play and all that kind of stuff that's so true like where you feel tension be curious be willing to play like that's just that is the answer isn't it like being able to say actually let's be curious about something like you know turn towards it with kindness and compassion that's what my my I've got so many gurus podcast gurus that's what mine say (laughs) anything that's hard just turn towards it with kindness and compassion and get curious like you say What advice would you give yourself to silence your inner critic next time you're finding it hard mm. and, you don't, and you don't feel like you can share that? I'd say to myself that probably whatever I'm experiencing, somebody has experienced before, probably most people, and to not feel guilty about that and to yeah share it and know that in sharing it, I'm just letting people know how I'm feeling um, and not saying how the rest of my life's going to be. <laughs> mm. I think yeah. I would tell myself that I... I don't have to wait for people to allow me to be a complex being. 
I don't have to be defined by what's difficult. And, I, and so I can face the fact that things are difficult without letting them be the whole narrative of my life. We tend to ask permission from people to be who we are, but actually we can just tell people who we are. That's so true, Clay. I think I'd say I'd just remind myself to love myself and I'd also remind myself that I am so loved Mm. because it's in my hardest times where I really realize how loved I am. When you're coming from a place where you know that it's a lot easier to share it, isn't it? Mm. Oh, definitely. And that's security. Right. Well, ladies, it was so fun talking to you both. Yeah, I genuinely had me. a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, and Chloe, too. like, love you to join us again sometime if you be, yeah. if you're up for that. Yeah. Um, I'm off to go and sing on Cor and Foie. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm probably going to go and on. listen to it for the first time in my life. <laughs> and, Cor and Foie. And And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. To find out more about me and my guests, please check the links in the show notes. And to support the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to join me on Instagram at Big Lou Cook and let me know your thoughts about the episode. Until next time.